Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. In Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, Luke 10 and 25, we find the account of a lawyer, a lawmaker, a Pharisee more than likely, attempting to catch Jesus in a matter of the law. It says in verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempting him, saying, Master, or tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's quite a question. What, folks, what do we need to do to attain eternal life? I'm doing it. I come to church. I read the Bible. I've been baptized. He said unto him, what is written in the law? And how readest thou? In other words, you read it. What do you think? He says, and he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord. This is the lawyer now responding. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, in other words, he wanted to get out of that, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? My message to you this morning is who is my neighbor? Because I want to be a great Samaritan. The key question in that passage, who is my neighbor? Verse 30, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a known bad deal. It was a known danger. It was throught with thieves and robbers. It was not protected. It was a winding road. It came, it came downward and upward. There were places to hide. It was known not to travel this road alone or without some form of security. This man, and the Bible never identifies the man. He identifies the people that walk by the man and the people that address the man. Never identifies the man. We can only assume that this man is a Jew because he's coming from Jerusalem. But he's a foolish man. He's done something rather stupid. He's traveled the road from, Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho by himself. And sure enough, here's this target. How many of us travel the wrong roads? How many of us take the paths we know we shouldn't take? The people say, don't go there. It's dangerous. That's not the way to go. But because of whatever reason, urgency, pride, arrogance, emergency, whatever it is, we decide to take the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And not just once, not just twice, but many times throughout the course of our life. Amen? This foolish man was beset upon by thieves and rogues, and they beat him and left him half dead. We make bad choices, folks. We just do. It's the nature of who we are. And you know that going forward, after you hear this message, you and I both will make bad choices. We'll take bad roads, hopefully shorter ones and with less damage. 
In verse 31, it says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, not only did he walk by, but he passed on the other side. This guy looked at this dude laying there, thought he was dead or, or in bad trouble, but it was not worth his time. And so not only did he pass him by, but he went all the way across the road and walked way around him and pretended he never saw him. And likewise, in verse 32, a Levite, when he was uh, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Two interesting facts here. Number one, they're both men of the house of priests. One a priest and one a Levite. That has to do with their role and their station, why it lists them separately. They're religious men. They're men from Jerusalem. They're, you get it? They're church people. The second interesting factor they were both traveling alone too. Not very wise. But they passed on the other side. They were men of religious office. How many people of religious office look at the person on the side of the road, the bloody person, the person who made a bad decision, the one that doesn't smell right, doesn't look good, doesn't fit the bill, doesn't fit into our program in these modern religious big box churches where, where it's all about bringing in the money. It's all about bringing in the people. It's all about the programs. It's all about the folks that smell good. Now, this priest and this Levite ignored a man that was sitting there. I heard a, person, I heard a, a, preach, a preacher one time say that the reason the priest and the Levite didn't go by this man because they thought he was dead. And you know, under the law, they weren't supposed to touch anything dead, right? That's a good excuse. Do you know that the law made occasion for someone who was in danger or to, if they did touch them, they could still, they'd still be okay. So that's a bogus excuse. That's not the reason. Well, I thought they were dead, so I didn't even bother. In other words, they were too far gone. We don't bother with people that are too far gone. We don't bother with people that are on the, the edge of society. We don't bother with people that uh, just don't fit the bill. They're just too far down the road. They're, they're unredeemable. They're so addicted to drugs that they just are, they're never going to come back. Their brain is gone. Right? They're too deep into their own religion. They're too deep into their tradition. They're too deep into this or that. It's too hard. It's not available to us. It's, we can't touch them. Well, I'm never going to be able to affect that person. They just refuse to listen to me. Are you hearing me? Are you preaching with me this morning? You preach, I'm preaching the decision that was made in the minds of two religious people. You understand who they served, right? You understand who their God was, right? This priest and this Levite same to serve the same God that you and I serve, the same God that just helped Jehoshaphat eliminate three armies. And they made up in their mind that this person wasn't worth it. It was out of their touch. But a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. I know the Good Samaritan story. I know that story. It's a good story. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say Good Samaritan? You know that was just applied in tradition. It implies that the Samaritans in general are bad if you have to call him the Good Samaritan. That's like if you called me the Good Pastor. It would imply all pastors are, see what I'm saying, Right? But nowhere, think about that, nowhere does it actually say Good Samaritan in the Bible. It might say it in the header that your publisher published in, in, your, in your Bible. They threw it in there up in the... It's not in Scripture. 
And you know the story, and many of you already understand, that the Samaritans at the time were hated by the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. There was, there, was, there was strife between the two, and it goes way back into history, and it gets really deep. But suffice it to say that it's generally based on this factor, that the northern kingdom of, of Jerusalem at one point was attacked by the Assyrians. They took all these people captive, and they intermixed and intermingled with them, and they planted them in Samaria, Okay. Then, in their decision, they'd moved from the Mosaic Law, and they only recognized the first five books of the Bible as all of Mosaic Law, and so there's a big differentiation. You know there's only about, there's less than a thousand Samaritans left on, on earth. As a matter of fact, in the early 1980s, uh, the number of actual Samaritans got down to about 200 people. But they're still there. They still exist. But regardless of all that, it was understood, and you understood, that, that people hated, the, the Jews hated the Samaritans. And they see them as, as, as half-bloods and half-breeds and, and uh, illegitimate. And so we, we've determined that this guy's the good Samaritan because it's assuming that the Samaritan, any other Samaritan would have come along and done worse things to this guy. Maybe he went through his pockets and picked out his wallet and we grabbed some things and stole from him while he's laying there. Maybe, the, maybe the, an average Samaritan would roll this guy. So, so we've determined that he's a good Samaritan because, gosh, any other Samaritan is, is no good. Isn't it interesting that there's Good Samaritan hospitals and Good Samaritan charitable organizations and Good Samaritan this? Not in the Bible. This is our tradition that, that made that name. So we have this Samaritan who stops by and he sees this man lying in the road. In the minds of the Jews and the people that hate the Samaritans, they would assume that this would never happen. But I bet you to the Samaritans, they probably do this kind of thing all the time. Let that stew a little bit. Jesus uses Samaritans often in scripture too, by the way. There's something about him using the, the Samaritan idea. Look at Luke chapter 17 and 16 where it says, and I'm not gonna reference the whole thing, I didn't put it up there. But if you look at that passage of scripture in Luke 17 and 16, he heals the 10 lepers. Remember that story? We all talk about the 10 lepers that were healed, right? And you know the story, right? Nine of them walk away and they don't ever say anything to Jesus. The, the, the 10th guy comes back and thanks him. Samaritan. Look it up. In John chapter four, the woman at the well. She's expecting Jesus to, to despise her and not talk to her and not deal with her. But he says, give me some water, I'm thirsty. And he allows her to dip the water and provide it for him. Oh, and the disciples saw that and went, whoa. Folks, I want to tell you today, we are the Samaritans of this age. Modern Christianity does not like us. The traditional faith world does not like us crazy apostolic Pentecostals. We're the, we're the ones on the fringe. We're the holy rollers. We're the jumpers. We're the ones that praise and worship our God. And it's expected we don't have a clue what we're doing. It's expected that we don't have the power of God because we haven't followed the tradition and the ceremony and all the things that go with it. And this guy was a good Samaritan. Let's go on and look. I'm going to get further into this. In verse 34, it says, he went to him. Now, keep track of these things that he does. He went to him, and first he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, 
and set him on his own beast. So let's look at that really quickly. First thing he does is administer immediate first aid. Some of you first aid people in here know that there's a, there's a sequence to all of that, but it's stop the bleeding first. You gotta stop the bleeding, right? Then he pours in oil and wine. Wine is a disinfectant, and the oil soothes the pain of the, of the wounds. And he sets him as on his own beast. That means that this Samaritan got off of whatever he was riding, a beast, whatever that is, and put this man on it, and he had to walk while this guy rode on his donkey or whatever it was. And then on the morrow when he departed, he took, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. And he brought him into an inn and took care of him. You tracking this now? So he took him to a place. He didn't just get him better, throw the, say, okay, here, just you're on your way, you're doing good. He took him to an inn. He brought him to a place where he could rest and receive care. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. It's understood at that time that that could have been as much as two or three weeks worth of lodging and food. And he gave them to the host and he said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I'll repay thee. What a sacrifice, truly a good Samaritan. He's a good person to do these wonderful things. Verse 36, which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He's asking a no duh question. And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Pretty straightforward stuff. The ones that passed by were not his neighbor and they're not going to heaven. But let's go back again and look what he did for him. He bound his wounds. As I said, he stopped the bleeding. I want to be a great Samaritan. I want to be a great Samaritan. I don't want to stop at any limitation without my bounds, and I don't want to limit God, what God can do through me to reach to someone who's laying on the side of the road, beaten down. I don't care how far their mind is gone. I don't care how crazy or goofy they are. I don't care how invested in the world and evil they are. I don't care if they present, announce to me, to themselves, that they are Satan himself. I had a young man one time stand before me in the foyer of the church I was attending and say, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. He was pointing at the sanctuary, and they were worshiping and praying. This is up in the Dells when we, when we were working up there. And, and, and he said, oh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm a child of the devil, he said. Remember DJ? He said, I'm a child of the devil. I got nothing to do with it. I said, DJ, God wants you. And that's not true. You're worth something. I want to tell you, that young man pronounced himself as a child of Satan. He had this pretense that he put about him that he'd done so many bad things that he was just going to be tough and I'm going to be, I'm just a child of Satan. I do bad things. I want to tell you within a year, we were praying over that young man, filling him with the Holy Ghost as God poured on him and he was baptized in Jesus' name. He had convinced himself that he was the child of Satan, that he was so far gone. And I said, no, I saw something in him. My wife saw something in him. The pastor saw something in him and it wasn't just a matter of time before he was weeping at that altar as God filled him with the spirit of the Holy Ghost. I want to be a great Samaritan. I'm not settling for good. You've heard me say it before. Everything that we do with this church and with this place and with our walk with God and our ministry should be done with excellence. We should never mail it in. We should never call it in. It should never be a blow-off day. It should never be just something we can't. We're not feeling it today. It's the God. It's the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we serve. Everything should be done with excellence. I want to be a great Samaritan. No, I want to be an excellent Samaritan. 
See, he bound his wounds. He stopped the bleeding. That's the first rule of first aid. You got to get in there and stop the bleeding. What are they doing? What is this person doing that's hurting themselves so badly that's caused them to be slaying at the, at the roadside? Well, first of all, the first decision to take the road by themselves was a big mistake. We need to help people get past the things that are killing them. Do what we can. Use God to minister through us. Use that Holy Ghost inside you to minister to people to get them to stop going down that same road. He poured oil and wine, the healing and the soothing, the disinfectant. He made friends with him. Think about him sitting on the side of the road and he goes into his pack and he kneels down by this man and he pours out the bottle of wine and he's dabbing him. And this man is laying there helpless in pain, maybe he can't move, he's in so much pain. And this man is tenderly rubbing, uh, the, pouring the, oil, the, the wine over his wounds and, and cleaning the blood and he's got the oil and, and he's soothing it into the wounds and it's making the man feel better. Oh, thank you for soothing my wounds. Gosh, you've got a voice, folks. You got, you've got hands, you, you've got a testimony that you you can sit by the side of that person laying on the ground wounded and hurting and you can say, listen, I've got a story to tell you. I, I'm your friend. I can help you. You understand? We can pour the oil and the wine. How many know? How many know what the oil and the, what the wine is? Come on, it's your Holy Ghost. Come on, it's that new wine that we've been drinking of all by ourselves. Sitting here at the table, soaking it up, getting fat, eating on the wonderful food and the banquet that God prepares for us every week. Come on, that oil and wine that we enjoy so much, we can share it with some people because that's what the great Good Samaritan was doing. He put him up on his donkey or his beast or whatever it was, and he walked himself alongside it. Man, can you give your coat? Can you give your car? Can you give a ride? Can you sacrifice something so that you have a little bit less than that person? Because that's what a great Samaritan would do. The Good Samaritan did it. He brought him to an inn. Come on, folks. We talked about the end this morning, didn't we? This is God's end. And what God wants to do with it, God's going to do with it. But regardless of where we are and where we serve and where the body resides, that's where the end is. And what we got to do is try to get them into the fold. We got to try to get them to the innkeeper. We got to try to get them. What's, what's the end for? Well, it's shelter. It's shelter for the elements. It's shelter from the road. It's safety away from the robbers and the brigands of, of the road to Jericho. It, it, it's safety and it's nourishment and all of those things that come with it because he paid for his food. He paid for his care, it said. You know, sometimes we got to make an investment in people. And it takes money to do this, not money dedicated exclusively to a mortgage and all the bills and everything else, and then we've got nothing left. That's not what God wants. That's not the will of God. But sometimes it takes money to put into, a little, into some people's hands. Maybe we've got to take some money and pay for their stay at the end. Maybe we've got to take some money and buy them some groceries and buy them some things. You know what? When you meet with new people, sometimes they're a drain on you for a long time before they become a productive member of the body of Christ. But that's okay because they're just a poor man laying on the side of the road suffering because life Life just gave him what they gave him. He made a bad decision. We're always doing it all the time. It's just hurting them so much more because they don't have God. I want to be a great Samaritan. Before he left, he committed to further to his expenses. In other words, he said to the man and to the innkeeper, I'm in this for the long haul. Discipleship. 
continuing to work with them. Don't let them straggle. Don't let them fall by the wayside. Don't let the man just get up and walk out of the inn unchanged. Anybody that comes into this place and experiences what we experience, if they walk out of this place unchanged, folks, we've done something wrong. We've not paid the extra money to the innkeeper. We've not encouraged the man to stay and enjoy the hospitality. We haven't done the things that made it right so that person becomes changed. He wanted to make sure that when all things were said and done and he was willing to pay for it, he wanted to make sure that when that guy got up out of that bed of that inn, he was whole and healthy and he was capable of making his way back to Jerusalem. You with me on that? You see, that man was going to get up, and I, I hesitate to think that he was going to continue the tour to, Jer- to Jericho. You understand the journey between Jerusalem and Jericho, don't you? And Jericho to Jerusalem. God and the world, and world and God. I would venture that that man got up out of that bed healthy and well and said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. Thanks to this rotten, stinking, smelly, no good, half-breed Samaritan, I'm well and I'm healthy and I'm going to Jerusalem. And our mission at the end of all of this thing, if you want to be a great Samaritan, if you want to be an excellent Samaritan, is that's got to be your goal in all of this matter. That every person you find lying on the side of the road, every one that you put on the back of your donkey, every one that you carry into this place is affected so much, is healed and made well so much that they're on their way to Jerusalem when we're done. The Samaritan gave a lot. He really did. Oil was expensive. Wine was expensive. He walked, he paid his expenses at the inn. He gave a lot, he sacrificed a lot. He indeed was a good man. But you know what Jesus said? That even we can do greater things. Look at where he said it, where he takes it. John extols this message so well. 1 John chapter three and 16. He says, hereby perceive we the love of God because he has laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Look at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can talk about it. We can throw a few bucks at it. But he wants us to do it. Look at the depth of Samaritanism in Proverbs chapter 24 and 11. I have the ESV version here. If you don't want to look at that one, listen to how it's said in Proverbs 24 and 11. In 11 it says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Well, I didn't know there's people in Economowoc that were suffering and on their way to slaughter. I didn't know that they were on their way to death. Behold, if you say, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? 
Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? We know our neighbors are on their way to death. We know they're stumbling to the slaughter. If they don't know him. And whatever it is, whatever sin is that, that, is, that has entrapped them, whatever they fall into, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The key is if they don't know Jesus, they're on their way. We cannot profess to not know that the world around us is on its way to the slaughter. You can stand with me this morning as we begin to close. We're going to start our worship service right after I close this message. And if you want to come to the altar to worship, you can. That's great. Paul provides excellent ways that we can be great Samaritans. He says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, he said, let love be without dissimulation. You know what dissimulation means? It means don't let it be dissimilar between persons. You should love everybody equally, the same way, no matter what stature in life they are, no matter what they do. Let love not be without, be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, people are evil, but not on purpose. The evil that the Bible talks about many times in talking about the human nature and the interaction of human to human doesn't mean that they're evil like the devil evil and they're out to kill you. It means evil, they're surrounded with sin. And it's all they know. It's all that the world has ever given them. It's all the world has ever entreated them with. And we can't entreat evil with evil, but we've got to overcome those things in them with good, like a, like a great Samaritan. We can take this work beyond just being good Samaritans. I believe that. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God will send us into Mission Economic, and that is my vision for 22? Do you believe that God will send us into Mission Economic? And through our words and through our treatment as the Good Samaritan, as we apply the oil and we bind the wounds and we take them to the inn, that God will do a great work through us? You know, we can take it beyond providing a little bit of cash and a little bit of help and a little bit of prayer and a little bit of fellowship and a little bit of discipleship. We can fully invest in everything that we do. We can bind their wounds, but maybe we could change the dressing too. We can apply the oil and the wine, but maybe we ought to be ready for a second round. We can put them on the donkey. We can get them to the inn. 
but maybe we get them home too. And then maybe we pick them up and get them back to the end, if that's what's required of us. I'm asking you this morning, church, in our vision for 2022, to take on this challenge and decide, I want to be a great Samaritan. Because 2022 is when we're going to see a breakout of God's work in our community. We've been talking about it for a long time, haven't we? We've been vision casting for a long time. We've come through a lot. We've had a lot of changes. We've had transition. We've had COVID. We've had all the things that have come with it. Yes, we have financial challenges. Yes, we've got some burdens that we've got to allow God to take care of. But finally, this year is going to be our breakout year. We already have plans to begin doing prayer, traveling through the city of Oconomowoc. We're going to be identifying places that we can go to, me as a leader, my wife and I, uh, walking the city, visiting the businesses, getting to know the business owners. I'm going to start to hand out more of those I love my church cards, getting information out. I've got a plan for table toppers that we can put into some of the restaurants that invite people to be a part of our connect groups and our life groups. I'm going to be entering into the city every week, multiple times a week, walking through that city, driving through that city, praying for that city, engaging with business owners, engaging with people I see on the street. I'm literally going to be begin the walks, and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to walk this street today. I'm going to step into some shops. I'm going to do some things today, but present to me anybody I bump into under the street. I will share the word of God with them. I will share with them what I can. God, present to me someone who needs a good word today. God, present to me a, a, a man on the side of the road. Allow me to be a great Samaritan in my city today, God, and I'm going to do that repeatedly and repeatedly, and if some of you decide you want to come along and we create some sort of an event out there, we've got things going on where our presence will be known and that'll be awesome you can come right along with me but now is the time that mission economy begins and we take a physical presence out there you know we've kind of seeded that we planted that a little bit we had a life group out there going and they did a good job they were meeting out at a couple coffee shops getting to know people had some people sit in on their life group and that was just a seed it was a little test run and there'll be more to come Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning. We're going to go ahead and sing. Like I said, you can come to the altar if you want to. This service is officially closed except for this time of worship. God bless you all. Thank you for attending our business meeting this morning. I love and appreciate my church so much. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.